I think that's the magic of life is getting out of the rat race. And um, it's hard. We had a house, two kids, a mortgage, responsibilities, saving for the future. But those things could just draw you down and suck you into a trap that you, you, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do you go before you grab the sides and say, I, I, I'm not going any further. Are you ready to step up your game? Do you want to form the habits required to take your hustle to the next level? You're in the right place. We've been where you are and know that getting to your optimized next level doesn't happen by accident. Welcome to the Next Level Hustle podcast. Each week, we sit down with experts, entrepreneurs, and people at the top of their game to help you discover how to accelerate what you've already been doing with excellence and speed to find success and fulfillment in every area of your life. I'm your host, Boomer Allred. And I'm also your host, John Wiesahan. This is going to be Next Level. All right, welcome to the Next Level Hustle podcast. I'm John, your co-host. And I'm Boomer, your co-host as well. I think, Boomer, why don't you take a minute and just talk about how you know our next guest? Because I personally have read, uh, I've looked at his website. It's incredibly impressive. I'm excited to talk to him. If you don't mind just giving us some context around how you guys know each other so the audience, our listeners know, I think that'd be awesome. Sure. Our next guest is Frank Soul. And we met back in 2015 at a seal fit event in Encinitas, California. I remember the day I met you, Frank. Um, we became fast friends. He has an amazing energy and uh, really easy to be attracted to him, to uh, make him a leader uh, because people want to follow him. Uh, we became kind of pen pals through email and text. And then we circled back uh, probably a couple of years ago or last year and, and gotten a little closer Frank lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. He is a triathlete coach, uh, oxygen advantage coach, mental coach. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Really is just a sweet soul. This guy is uh, an incredible person. When I thought about a podcast, I'm like, Frank needs to be on this podcast. And um, I'm excited for you to talk to Frank because I know some of your background. And um, I think you guys might become fast friends as well. Well, Frank sounds like a stud. He is. <laughs> Welcome, Frank. Thanks for being on here. Gentlemen, it's a good morning to you both, and it's good to be here with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So give us, uh, because I know a little bit about what I've read about you, Frank. You know, we always talk about hustle here, and we talk about what next level hustle is. But for just to bring it back down to baseline for a minute, what does just hustle mean? To, like, what does that mean when you wake up, you're like, I'm going to go hustle today. Like, what does that look like? in your world and give us a little bit about how you've taken just hustle at the base level into what you do and, uh, you know, have our listeners experience uh, what you've done in your career. Appreciate that. You know, it's been a, a interesting journey regarding the word hustle. Uh, if I go back to my earlier years, I was in corporate America, you know, hustling, 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 you know, trying to you know, live that uh, quote American dream and really, really go up the ladder. I was a director of engineering at a medical center, a 500 bed, uh, 500 square foot uh, medical center back in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey Shore boy uh, living in the uh, desert uh, away from the shore. It's not good. Let's put it like that. I, I, I like being near the water, but this is home. But the the fact is that I truly believe that you can hustle at anything, but are you hustling at the right thing? 
I found for many years I was hustling, but I was not hustling at the in the right arena. And it started to become frustrating. Uh, I started to become, uh, you know, just searching. And I remember when I had spent time with Boomer, I told him I used the word reinvented myself and something that he, he hopefully he's proud of me because I remember he said, no, 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 you don't reinvent yourself. You simply pivoted. And I did. And I pivoted. I, I, I explained my situation to my wife. I told her this job was going to kill me, you know, getting sick, ulcers, all that. So she gave me permission to quit the job. She didn't think that one day I was going to call her from a payphone back then. She <laughs> hears traffic in the background. She goes, why aren't you, why aren't you at work? And I let her know that I resigned my position. Now, naturally, I did it the right way and was gone maybe two, three, four weeks later. But then I started to live my passion. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a coach. So I went after those things blindly in many respects. But I do believe that uh, God, the universe, this higher power aligns our bodies and our lives and our minds to find these certain things. I was at the beach one day. Uh, during that summer, and I ran into a woman who said they were looking for a history teacher at uh, Red Bank Catholic High School. I had a degree in history, went interviewed, got the job, things fell in their place. I wanted to be a swim coach. Ironically enough, the same gal who I met was retiring that year. I took on the, the head role as a swim coach at Red Bank Catholic, coaching a premier uh, Catholic program. So I do believe when we hustle, we hustle in the right arena the serendipitous effects start to align in our favor. And all of a sudden we go, wow, that was a hell of a coincidence, or I didn't expect that to happen. We should expect those things to happen. We should never doubt that those things are going to happen if we're creating this alignment. So uh, hopefully I answered that question. No, that was, that was so good. Can we unpack that for a minute? Cause I want to, I just want to back up for a second. So your initial form of hustle is what I would consider the rat race. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then when you pivot from the rat race into what your mind, body, whatever it is, is calling you to do, and you create the space inside of your head, I personally in my life call them God winks. You know, yep. when, when God winks come along and you're able to have the space to hear them and see them, you know, I don't believe really in coincidences at all. I think exactly. I think that's a I think that's a that's a fancy term for um, how the universe or God is telling you to live. And I, I think it's really powerful because when you create that space to walk in a direction that you don't even know exists yet, somebody else may, right? It allows you to become a better version of yourself. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I couldn't disagree with anything you said. It was an interesting thing. I was took a day off. I'm laying in bed. I mean, as low as low could be. And uh, just feeling out of sorts. And it was about 2.30 in the afternoon. And this thought came into my mind, this intuition, that sixth sense said, I need, I need to do something. I need to do something. I literally jumped out of bed and I just started doing something, right? Sometimes we, we, we're so overly concerned about planning Sometimes what's that old, uh, that old saying, uh, shoot and then aim, you know, I mean, you just, you got to yeah. do something, right? Uh, you got to do something. So I literally started getting the ball rolling. So I agree with you. There's no such things as a coincidence. 
There was no such thing as a coincidence that I came out of this building, stood there. I'm 61 years old. Um, I'm at a seal fit. I'm looking around. I could be the father and potentially grandfather of, of a handful of people on that. Uh, what's the uh, the area we worked at, Boomer? What's that the called? The grinder. The grinder. And I'm preparing myself ready for this. And next thing you know, Boomer and I started talking and there was this level of comfort that at least I knew I had someone I can lean on if, if, the, uh, if it went south on me. And again, we've leaned on each other on and off. Very much like you, I listened to your uh, opening uh, podcast, and you guys kind of you had this long term uh, relationship, and we we a boomer over the years, and I have been drawn back to each other by I like like to say by universal design. So when I did create that space, that space, when I was a high school teacher, my first day of class, I taught um, freshman history history one. I would always take a glass. And I would take the glass and put it on the desk. And I say to the to this, the, the class, and I said, this glass is occupying this space. In the world of our material reality, nothing could occupy that space until I move the glass. Move the glass, I could fill that space. Take the water out, I could put something else in. 19 out of the 21 kids would look at me like I was out of my mind. Two of them would look at me going, oh my God, Mr. Soul, that's deep. Those were the kind of students I wanted to connect with. Can't connect with everybody. We try our darndest. So as soon as I created that necessary space, the universe, God, I'd like to say, started to fill those uh, that void with and had me pivoting in the direction I needed to go. Since then, I don't believe I've worked a day in my life. I haven't gone to work in 20-some years. I just haven't. I, I, I go about doing what I do. I go about serving. I go about helping, but I haven't gone to work. I haven't said to my wife, hey, I'm going to work now. I'm going to coach. I'm going to go sit down with an athlete. I'm going to support somebody in a mind, mental, master coaching session, but I don't go to work. And as you said, John, that's, I think that's the magic of life is getting out of the rat race. And um, it's hard. We had a house, two kids, a mortgage, responsibilities, saving for the future. But those things could just draw you down and suck you into a trap that you, you, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do you go before you grab the sides and say, I, I, I'm not going any further. Do you feel to some extent that society teaches us that that's the way it should be? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, think, our, I, I think it starts um, in many cases, no disrespect in our homes with our parents, in our churches, in our school systems, specifically in our school systems. Okay, we have an antiquated- And you've been in uh, school. You've been a teacher. You know this. You see yeah, it firsthand. Yeah. yeah. I actually was the uh, department head for a class that we taught was um, the seven habits of highly successful teens, right? Uh, we all know about the seven habits of the highly successful people. But we taught that, and I recall a story was I had a young lady who her father was a lawyer- Graduated, graduated Villanova. The grandfather was a lawyer, graduated Villanova, and she was destined to become a lawyer by a lot of it, a lot of it family pressure, and she thought that's what she needed to do. She came to me and said one time that I, I want to be a screenwriter. And I said, become a screenwriter, but be, be a lawyer and become the smartest screenwriter that you could become to protect your best interest. 
two days later, I was having a meeting with the father because I was trying to convince her not to become a lawyer. And I said, well, you know, we went over this and, and really broke it down. But I, I just believe if, if, you know, we swat away those thoughts like an annoying fly, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. We live this life that we were never meant to live. And then on Judgment Day going, God says to you, I don't know who you are. And you said, no, well, I'm Frank Soul. No, no, no. I had plans for you to become this and this and this. This was your gift. This was your almost destiny. Why didn't you use that? And I think we have to answer those questions to ourselves. I use God. I don't want to insult anyone who, who may not believe what I believe. But the universe, God, the spirit is driving us to live our life in a certain way. And I had to listen to that. And uh, Boomer said, use the word pivot. And now I sit there with my clients going, no, 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 we're not reinventing ourselves. We're not changing. We're simply pivoting from here to there. And you get this individual sit up going, that's very cool. That's very cool. I feel like the pressure's off of me. I've got to reinvent myself. I'm simply pivoting. And we've all done that before. So Yeah, and it takes, a, it, it takes constant pivoting, right? It's not like I'm going to pivot one time when I'm 28 and I found the, the new me right? It's, it takes constant pivoting. And, you know, I tell people I live my life in six week segments, right? I, I, I have a plan of what I think the next six, you know, quote unquote plan of what the next six weeks of my life look like. Beyond that, I really don't know. You know, I generally have a macro level plan to make sure, you know, the businesses don't run out of money, that people stay employed, you know, things like that. But as far as like strategy and direction, I, I, I directionally know you have to keep pivoting all the time. I bet, you know, the businesses that we operate today, they've been around, I don't know, any, depending on which one, like three to three to five years. I bet we've pivoted at least a dozen times on both of them, right? And it takes constant adaption, constant pivoting to continue that because you really don't know what the future holds. Amen. And the, uh, uh, I'm sitting with a, a client one day and he said, well, how often do I need to pivot? I said, that's a you question. How often do you think you need to pivot? Could it be daily? Uh, John, you mentioned, uh, you know, keeping it. I keep a journal just to show you this. This is my da daily journal here. Very, very specific. Don't ask me how, but I go by 59 days. 59 mm -hmm. days, I reevaluate every 59 days. Why, why not 61? I don't know. But 59 seemed right when I was doing it. My intuition said 59, I run with it. I try not to question it too much and just run with it. So every 59 days, I sit back and reevaluate. How am I doing with my, uh, these uh, elements? How am I doing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? How am I doing with my relationship with my wife of 44 years? Congratulations. Who is absolutely my foundation. You know, She's the one who gave me permission to quit. She never thought I was actually going to do it but she's been so supportive of my pivoting over the years that why not celebrate the opportunity to be able to do that? I do know a lot of my athletes, a lot of my master clients and mine, I call them master client, mine clients, is that my wife would never let me do that. And that's a hard position to be in when you feel that you're so, so ingrained into that rat race or uh, that arena that you have no control over your life. And I feel for people in that respect. So pivoting is something that we need to do almost daily. You wake up, how, how am I going to approach this day? If you have it planned out and you know that you need to be at the gym, you need to be on a, at a business meeting, 
You know you need to be here. You know you got to eat this for breakfast and this for lunch. It, it becomes easier versus going, oh, my God, I didn't bring a healthy snack. I've got to find a Whole Foods or Safeway yeah. market to buy something so I'm not eating you know, Chick-fil-A. No disrespect uh, to you guys <clears throat> in the no, South. I, I love, I Chick-fil-A. love Chick-fil-A. Uh, hey, I, want, I want to tell you a quick story about, about leaving the rat race for a minute because you just uh, – it's a pretty cool, pretty neat story, and it's about my wife. So me leaving the rat race happened back in 2012, okay? Leaving the rat race was forced on me. I was fired from a job that I was excelling at. The owner of the business that I was working for at the time decided his, his, actually his wife decided that she didn't want to pay me commissions that I was owed because it was too much money. I was too successful for, for them and their business. So they fired me and it was a very humbling experience. My wife was pregnant with our, uh, eight months pregnant with our daughter and went in the bedroom. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. She was laying there, you know, just chilling in bed, eight months pregnant. And I said, Hey, I just got fired. I, you know, put my head in my hands. I cried and she looked at me. She was like, we're going to figure it out. She's like, you can do this. You don't need them. She's like, you can do this on your own. And, you know, people ask me sometimes, who's the hardest person on you in your life? And my wife's the hardest person on me. Like she keeps me honest. She tells me when I screw up. She doesn't look at me on this pedestal. I am absolutely her equal and she's mine. And having that foundation and pivoting as much as we have. And at this point in our marriage together, we've been together 15 years. We've started, I think, not solo, but in total, probably six businesses over the course of the last, you know, 10 years. And she's absolutely the rock in all the major decisions and a lot of things. And most people don't really know that. So I'm being a little uh, uh, vulnerable here, but she is absolutely part of all of those decisions and what we do and the businesses would not be here if we didn't have that solid rock. And we've talked in previous podcasts about fear. And if you don't have a partner who's willing to experience fear with you, it makes it very, very difficult. Because when you go home at night saying, hey, I'm going to go start this business. And you go home at night all fired up and excited about it. And your wife's looking at you like, well, you didn't have a paycheck this week. Like that's got to be hard. And that, that, it, it just, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work if that's, if that's what you go home to. And, and I'm not, I don't mean that to any disrespect for those who don't want to take the leap of faith to go start a business. I'm not telling you that's wrong by any means, but it's, and it's not for everybody, right? But having a solid foundation at home is absolutely critical to success in your business life too. I couldn't agree more. In, in all due respect, I mean, if, if it isn't your wife, it's a girlfriend, it's a significant other, it's Correct. someone you can confide in, someone that you can know that is going to have your back, is going to be a better listener than a uh, uh, giving you advice. And I think through this journey of 44 years, I know I've become a better listener to, to my wife. Many times she said, whoa, whoa, stop. I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to hear me. And that I, I need to stop being a coach and being more of a husband at that respect, uh, more of a friend to her, more of a um, someone she can lean on. I've gotten better and better at that. Am I a work in progress? Yes, we all are. But am I better than I was a year, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. It gives me hope that you still struggle with that. (laughs) We certainly all do. We certainly all do. And and we have our moments. I I simply call that ego, right? We are, our ego is there. 
to protect us. We want to be, we want to be known, right? We want to be seen. We want to make the money. And as soon as I've learned through that quiet time that you referred to, John, earlier on, is when I did that, I was able to let go of my ego. I don't have competition out there as a triathlon coach. There's a ton of triathlon coaches. I don't have competition. I draw athletes to me who belong to be uh, in my inner circle. They're designed to work with Frank's soul, not with someone else. If they move on, it, we have had that relationship. They're now uh, needing to work with someone else. That used to drive me crazy. I was always protective. Now I understand that's just the way it is. That is just human nature. So when we let go of all those, um, those egotistical things that hold us back, I need to hold on to this job. I need to make this money. I'm in charge of the household. When we let go of that and just become quiet with ourselves, it is amazing how things start to open up. Sometimes we don't always like what we hear when those things open up, right? David Goggins talks about the accountability, Miriam. Look yourself in the eyes. Call yourself out. You know, uh, figure out what is your challenge with. You haven't worked out in four days. You're eating like crap. You haven't read a book. You haven't done that. Call yourself out. And I have no problem doing that, right? My wife, like you, John, has no problem calling me out also. Zero problem. And the good news is she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm I'm safe. Tough, 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 (laughs) tough Italian woman from North Jersey. Just she, you know, she's very deliberate in her approach, but not nasty. But she'll let you know if if things aren't going the way they should be going, whether business, if I had an article to get written, she will hold my fingers to the fire saying, hey, you, you promised this woman you'd get this article out. She's really good about that kind of stuff. So that is the success that is worth for Frank Soul. I'm sure there's other of your listeners who would have some great, great stories like that too. But, um, you know, it, just the, it makes me think, and going back to what you said, life is just about pivoting, right? We, we talk about it all the time. People come to me and say, oh my God, you know, this is happening in my life and this is, that's happening and it's good or bad. It's just life. There's no good, there's bad. We choose to make it good or bad. How we choose to make that, how we choose to move forward with that. If you've ever read uh, Viktor Frankl's book, I mean, you know, that man had every reason to look at life as just horrible, but he chose to control what he can control. As he said, the Nazis can never take the way I feel or the way I think away from me. They can take everything else. We see it in, in our society nowadays. We're trying to be directed or, you know, misdirected. Can't take what you think. So I, I look at that um, as my safe space, and it's very, very important to me. And uh, interesting um, point I wanted to make to you guys, too, that you one of your guests – Eric Schwartz. Eric comedian. Schwartz, who has a special coming up February 3rd. Actually, he just came up this this past weekend since this will be out on the 6th. <laughs> good, 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 Shame uh, on YouTube. good segue there, my friend. Thanks. Um, he mentioned the book, The Artist's Way. Yes. Now, I, I will tell you both, if you haven't read this book, I've always convinced myself I was not a creative person. This particular book is probably one of the best books I've read in the last year. I have it on my desk right here. It's highlighted, it's paged, it's dog-eared. And um, I don't know if Eric mentioned, the the assignment Julia talks about is morning pages, right? He talked about right. three full pages um, every day. And uh, the assignment was actually for 40 days. If you could see this, 
on the top of this page here, day 185. Mm. Day 41 came, day 42 came, day 43 came. I've been sick. I've been tired. I have not missed a day of writing my three pages. And it tell me you you want to get good at CrossFit, triathlon, swimming, jujitsu, comedian to be a comedian. You just gotta you gotta do it. Just gotta do it. And you gotta look foolish and you're gonna be foolish and you're gonna fail and you're gonna get bloodied and you're gonna be on your hands and knees, but you gotta get the freak back up. You just gotta get up and do it. So the funny thing about doing this um, morning pages, I look back at the first 40 pages, my writing was just horrific. Now it's gotten smoother, it's cleaner. I go back and make sure, you know, did I put a comma there? But the more I do this, the more flow happens, right? We talk about flow and it's become so much easier. Can I ask you a question about the writing? Sure. Like I've contemplated doing this. I have two two main concerns that go through my head, and I just would like you your opinion on this because our listeners might want this too. Number one, it takes a lot of time. And I get up at five o'clock, I go straight to the gym, I come home, I take a shower, I take my kids to school, I come to the office, and my day starts at eight o'clock. I don't know how I'd have to, and that time is number one. Number two, I don't know what I would write about. So that's number two. And I guess it's it's really number three is distraction. I just feel like you know, in my day, I just feel like I would get so distracted with all the things that I, all the things, right, of the day that start going through my mind that I have to do. And this is wasting my time. I, I, I get that. I've, I, there have been two or three times through this journey, if not more, at day 185, where I'm going, no, I'm done. I'm I just, I, I've got nothing more to talk about. Uh, what do I have to prove here? Um, but I, I made this, I made a decision. I'm going to do 365 days of morning pages. And the deeper I get into it, the more I want to do it. Jerry Seinfeld says that his whole success as a comedian was he put a calendar on his wall and put a red mark on the first day and a red mark on the second day and a red mark on the third day. And once you start to create this chain, he didn't want to break it. And that's what I'm saying to myself. I do not want to break it because, number one, I made it a priority for myself. John, you brought it up. Time-wise, there are times where my morning pages, I'm sitting in my office at eight o'clock at night, filling out the last half a page. And I'm thinking, what in God's name am I going to write about? So I sit there quiet and I just, I put pen, put the pen to the paper and I just start writing. Even if it has to, um, all work, no play makes a Johnny a, a dull boy. All work, no play makes Johnny a dull boy. You're every, right? <laughs> shining or, you know, something to that extent. Yeah. But there are times when you're sitting there and you cannot write fast enough what's flowing out of your head, hmm. whatever's coming out of your head. This morning, I always started off as, good morning. Today is a day of great gratitude. I always try to find one thing I'm grateful for. Good night's sleep. Last night, I didn't sleep so well. Bad night's sleep. Jiu-jitsu was a little <laughs> hard on my shoulder last night. And I'm lying in bed at one, two o'clock in the morning with a heating pad on my shoulder. And uh, I, I just wrote about that, about the challenges, uh, exhausting, challenging, though exhilarating at the same time. If you're going to find something to, excuse my French, bitch about, find something good in it too, not insinuating. Make it important to you. If it's important to you, you will find the time. What I would tell you to do is before you go to the gym, write one paragraph, three, four lines, Come back from the gym, 
hug the family, kiss the kids, get ready to have some breakfast before you get in the shower, write four or five more lines. Out the door to ready to take the kids to work, write two, three lines. By that point, you've already two thirds full of one page. You can always, always just bring it. And this never, this paper goes with me all day long. Now, is it morning pages? Should it be done in the morning? Yes. Early on, I was doing it. Now, I use it as a journal through the day. I can write something about the way the afternoon went, how my meetings went, and uh, how my readings went, whether I'm reading the artist way uh, on my desk is, this is something I read each and every day. I cycle through it. As soon as I'm done, I go back and read it and start it again. And I can just even document some some line from there and, and then say, expand on it. So we make it a priority. If it's important to you, we will find that time. Uh, number two, you'd be surprised how much you do have to write about. You sit there sometimes. I have sat there with my pen like this, just looking, going, what am I, what do I have to say? We all have something to say. We all have this creative uh, genius in us is, or am I willing to spend the necessary time to bring it out. Well, I tried triathlon. I was never good at the swim. No, 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 no. You just never stayed with it long enough to become good at the swim. In jujitsu, any black belt would tell, simply tell you, simply is, I'm really no different than a white belt. I just stayed at it longer. Mm. Right? I just stayed at it longer. And that's a, that's a, that's a mentality. Right? Yeah. You're going to get hurt. You're, gonna, you're just going to get tired. You just stay with it. Frank, a long time ago in this conversation, it wasn't that long ago, um, you mentioned you, you know, once you began the second pivot of your life, you uh, haven't worked a day in your life. So you see as coaching, I would say, as a skill and not a job. And you can hear how you talk, you know, how you absorb information. You have some amazing philosophies, Frank's philosophies, I call them. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to have on the podcast to share to our listeners. Mm -hmm. You have one very famous saying, I don't know if, if I can telepathically send it to you right now, or if I have to tell it to you, <clears throat> usually it's, a, it's from swimmers that are starting their swim and are reporting back to you. Um, do you know which saying I'm, I'm talking about? Not off the top of my head because I have a whole bunch of them, but. You yeah, know, I bet uh, you do. You have the saying, uh, more isn't better, better is better. So I want to unpack that and, and how did it come to you? And then how do you use it in, you know, with coaching or maybe even in your life? When I get a, uh, one of my certifications is in, um, in movement uh, under a uh, Dr. Gray Cook, world known uh, physical therapist. And I remember reading a paper by him and he talked about more isn't better, better is better, right? A triathlete will show up at the pool not even knowing how to swim or really at the beginning stages. And they'll show me a workout that they have, maybe their own from another coach, 3,000, 4,000 yards of swimming. And I will watch that swimmer and immediately know that particular person has no business swimming 3,000 yards, none whatsoever. Okay. Um, we see it at CrossFit. We see it at any, any arena in sports. We probably see it in business, in anything. So, I tell them more isn't better, better is better. I would rather you show up at the pool and do 1,500 yards of good quality work, getting exceptionally proficient at your technical proficiency, developing your sense of proprioception, learning how to feel the water, then muscling yourself through the water for four, 3,000, 4,000 meters. How do I know that is a fact in the world of triathlon? 
I'm pretty vocal about it. I, Ironman Arizona this year, conditions were a little bit windy and the water was a little bit colder than it normal. 60, 70% of the athletes got out of the water. 30, as they, I've heard, up to 30% DNF'd, did not finish. So you spent $1,100, $1,200 to do an Ironman and your day was done before you even got out of the flipping water. Tells me a couple things. You weren't prepared. You weren't prepared. You weren't prepared. Oh, yeah, but you don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We, it, it's all our stories. We can tell ourselves a story. You don't understand what I was going through that morning. You don't understand I got cramps. You don't understand. Yes, I do. That can sound hard and harsh, but sometimes as a coach, that's what we need to be hard and harsh. I want people to be hard and harsh with me at times if, if I'm making these stories up for myself that are going to create these incredible excuses. Why? Because I was the poster child for it for so many flipping years. Somewhere I had to draw a line in the sand. Remember that term, gentlemen, because the next time I'm on your podcast, we're going to be discussing my book, my second book, A Line in the Sand. Oh, We all approach a line in the sand each and every day. Are you willing or should you step over that line? That's where you go back to pivoting, John. Should I pivot and not cross this line? Or is it my ego getting in my way and say, no, I'm going to cross this line and go do this? Maybe you shouldn't have done it. Maybe the timing wasn't right. So more isn't better. Better is better. The quality of what we do should outweigh the amounts. There are times I understand you have to go get it done. You're at a CrossFit and coach says, we're, we're going to go through this wad. Sometimes technique just goes out the window, but that's when people get hurt, right? So as a coach, my job is not necessarily to see you get your workout done, though my athletes are very good about that, is to manage them, manage this, and manage their exuberance to do more than they are or should be doing at any one time. Does that make sense? No, it does. And talk about preparation for a triathlon. The first triathlon I did, the only one I've done. I'm going to do another one later this year, so I might give you a shout to help me. It, the, the swim is in the ocean, and uh, it's it's a little gnarly. Sure. And and that summer before, it's, it's usually in September, the summer before, I'm like, you know, and it's at, at the beach, right? Obviously, it's at the ocean. And I swam in the ocean. It's a nice flat day. I'm like, I'm going to go practice. I'm going to go swim you know, half a mile with the current because it's always with the current, which is great. And I practice. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. The next day, I'm like, I'm going to practice again. Swells are like three, four feet. I'm like, like, I don't know what race day is going to be like, so I'm going to try this, right? And it was scary. There's jellyfish. It was just nasty. Race day comes five to six foot swells in the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm like, oh my God, like ignorance was bliss. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know what this is going to be like, but I'm going to do it. And thank goodness it actually got delayed. I was able to wear a wetsuit because the water got really cold because I had to push it back because of a hurricane that came through. But anyway, I did it and I'm going to do it again uh, this year. And I want to do it in under three hours. It's an Olympic try. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, all distances. I mean, I coach athletes uh, from, I have an athlete leaving today for Florida. Ultraman Florida is next weekend. And I've got athletes. Um, who've done, one of my athletes swam the uh, Manhattan Island over the uh, summer, 29 miles. And on July 19th, we'll be up at uh, 
Lake Tahoe for him to swim 21 miles. These are the athletes I like to wow. work with. I love to tell you a real, really quick, funny story. Um, Boomer, um, six degrees of separation, uh, introduced me to uh, Jesse Isler. And uh, I think we all know who Jesse is. And uh, Boomer said, hey, look, I gave your name to Jesse Isler. Within 15 minutes later, the guy calls me. Now, this guy, you know, in the business world, multimillionaire, famous all over the world. I get a phone call from him, just an average Joe, wants to learn how to swim. Okay. He did Ultraman Arizona last year, 6.2 mile swim on Friday, bike 195 on Saturday, 35 mile run on Sunday. I coached him through that process. And this is how coachable this guy was. He goes home. He sends me videos. I review videos, give him notes. He calls me. We talk it through. Sends me more videos. Talk it through. He schedules time. He comes out to Arizona. I spend two hours in the water with him, coaching him one-on-one. He comes out to do Ultraman. I'm there. I'm coaching him through the process. How bad do you want something? How bad do you want something? So we should all look to people like that, not because of, of, of necessarily who they are, but because of who they are. Make sense? Right? Jesse mm-hmm. Osir, people like that. Uh, Eric Burns, who I coached, who is a major league ball player, will never want for anything, right? But they have a mindset that is beyond the norm. I can get this done. And those are the kind of athletes I will work with anybody. I will try my best to bring somebody along to work with them, but ultimately they need to be doing what they need to do to get it done. Um, I have to remember those uh, those points for myself. There's a great story. I don't know if it's true or not, but about uh, Gandhi, there would be periods through the year he would uh, meet with the people of India and they would stand in line for hours in the hot sun waiting to talk to Gandhi. And a mother brought her 12-year-old son and finally approached the, uh, Gandhi and said, Gandhi, could you help me? My son, all I want him to do is clean his room. I work all day long and, he, and he's such a pig, he will not clean his room. And Gandhi simply said, no, I, I, I can't do that, but come back to me again. Well, her opportunity came again. She takes her son back to Gandhi, stands in the hot sun, approaches Gandhi after waiting in, in line for hours and says to Gandhi, Again, I come to you, ask you, can you please help me with my son? He will not listen to me. He will not clean his room. At that point, Gandhi looked at the young man and said, young man, I want you to listen to your mother. Be observant to your mother. Your mother loves you. Your mother takes care of you. Your mother works hard. Can you just please clean your room for your mother? And the young man looked at Gandhi and said, I will do that. And the boy turned to walk away with a big smile on his face. And the mother leans over to Gandhi and says, why didn't you just tell him that the first time? And Gandhi said, I had to go home and make sure my own room was clean before I told him to clean his, right? <laughs> we have to make sure that we're living before we tell, right? You can mm. teach me, but you better be displaying it. That's beautiful. Okay? And that's, that, that's the lesson that I try to teach all my, my athletes. I teach it myself. If not, I'm just going to shut my trap. I can't give advice if I'm not experiencing it myself. I, I could keep going here because we, and, and we, we do have to wrap it up here, but um, you know, there's, we, I've been uh, beating the drum of something that needs to be done at work, right? Over the last like really 12 months. And eventually I got so frustrated uh, earlier this week. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. 
And I'm sitting in the car with this young gentleman and I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And we did it together because I was asking an employee to do something. And it, and not that it wasn't any fault of anybody's, it just wasn't happening the way that I, I saw that it maybe could happen. So I was like, you know what? Let's get in the car. We don't have a plan. He's like, we don't have a plan. I'm like, we're going to wing it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to learn together, you know? And that's what we did. So I think that's, I think it's a really important thing to know and always keep in your mind of, you know, you can, people can talk a lot, but it's what you do and what people see that's more powerful than anything. A lot of power. Before we leave, Frank, where can people find you? Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm at, uh, my website is uh, soulswimsolutions.com. Um, I am on uh, Instagram at TriSoul. And uh, if, you know, anybody has any questions, please reach out. It's just, uh, I, I just love people. I just think we're here to, uh, to serve. We're here to uh, communicate. We're here to uh, uh, just help each other, be non-judgmental. Just go out there and, and start to, uh, and just embrace life for what it is. It's there. It is magnificent. It is there to serve us if we let it. Beautiful. Frank, thank you. You served us today and you served the listeners. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Hustle podcast, where we help you accelerate what you already know to the next level. If you'd like to support the podcast, consider sharing it on social media, subscribing wherever you listen, or leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week for another Next Level Hustle conversation. I'm John. And I'm out. And I'm Boomer. I'm also out. 